And Lord, as you lead us, we pray that as we look into your word and apply it to our lives as we go from here today, uh, that your spirit would walk with us, that we would abide in your truth, and that this would be real, and that the blessing that you give us through it uh, would be tangible for our lives. We pray this all, trusting in your name. Amen. Do you guys want to have a seat? So good to be with you, whether you're joining us in-house or at home, we are so glad that we are together in this way. You know, for all of the ways we complain about the days in which we are living, there's a lot to be grateful for, isn't there? And there's a lot of benefits to living in the days in which we are living. I think about learning and growing. I think about education. If if I want to know something, I can, I can Google it. That's quite the benefit, right? Uh, if, if, I want to, if I want to learn something or, or even get a degree, I don't even have to leave my house, believe it or not. Uh, even more so or more important, if, if I want to study things like God's Word, you could be doing that from your seat right there on your phone while you're listening. Now, I hope you're listening, but you see what I'm saying? Like, what a benefit we have. Now, of course, there's another side to that, right? For what easy access to information also creates is either apathy, where you know it's available so you don't do it, or you know it's available so you don't use your own brain. There's that side of things. Or what James calls a deception. And that's what we're going to talk about today, which says excess information and easy access to that information equals intelligence. And so therefore, I don't really need to do much about it. Now, in a way, that's what we're talking about today. And let me explain that as we get into James chapter 1. We're going to finish out chapter 1. We're going to go verses 19 through 27. So if you're following along, I'd encourage you to do that. Last week, we talked about enduring trials, if you recall, and the goal of genuine faith, which is to produce in us something, do you remember the word? Something lasting. I'll help you out here. I know. I've only had a little bit of coffee, too. Now, now we get to verses 19 through 27 and the conclusion of the chapter, which gives us the framework for what actually produces real life changing faith. Let me show you. Maybe a question we could ask ourselves is when there's something that needs changing in our lives, how, how do we change it? Especially when we can't seem to change it. <laughs> Yeah, there's all sorts of little things. This is what we're going to get into in James. Let me show you. Verse 19, I'll read it. Know this, it says. That should get our attention. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive, that's a key word here, with meekness, the implanted word, like in our heart, which is able to save your souls. And then this, our theme, but be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Be doers of the word, church, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Let's start at 
the onset in verse 19. Rather than express your own opinions, do some listening. People who talk too much have a hard time learning. Believe me, I know. Instead of rushing to judgment, listen and observe and gain some perspective. This is where James starts. But notice where he goes with it. He says, put away. Put away what? Put away sin. He uses the term filthiness, which here means obscenities. And put away wickedness, which means literally excess. Like my kids say, Dad, you're being so extra. Right? That's what you say. Dad, you're being so extra. What, what it means is you're overdoing it. You're exaggerating. And in this sense, being extra in your treatment of others. Okay? So if you're tracking with me, as the New Testament translates it, it's a step further than just being extra. It's actually talking about malice. It's the way we are towards others with malicious or evil or vindictive thinking. And just so you don't think, well, that's not me, oh, let me give you some examples. Is that okay? Some of you? It's okay with only a few of you? Like, rather than having patience with someone, you say something, albeit true, about them that hurts their character. Like something like, you're so crazy. You're nuts. Grow up. You're so immature. See, you're getting to their character. Here's another example. Like sharing a secret about someone. Something that could be true. But it hurts. It's not nice. It's not productive. It's not, it's not Christ-like. Another example. Someone lets you down. You, you get disappointed by someone. But rather than show them grace, you're quick to get angry because they, they've done it a lot. And it turns into vindictive accusations like, you're just like your dad. You'll never change. You're so, and you could fill in the blank. Do you see where I'm going with this? So easy. This is what James is talking about. This is what James is talking about when he says, be slow to speak. Now, if you're like most people, you don't like that you react this way. And by the way, some of us react outwardly. Many of us react inwardly, right? So it really applies to both, the way we speak to others. But here's the problem. We don't like we act that way, but we tend to do it because by the time we realize we're doing it, thinking it, or saying it, it's already too late. Can you relate? I was talking with a friend of mine from high school and his wife uh, this week, and, and their blended family with all of the complexities within the home and with all of the heightened stresses of parenting these days with COVID and school and sports. Needless to say, things weren't easy for them, and, and, and I think we can all relate on some level. And we were discussing how difficult it's been for marriages and how much we need to grow and understand God's word, which is exactly what James wants us to do. He wants us to understand the word and apply it to our lives. So we were talking this through, and we were talking about our need for extending grace to one another within our marriages and within our relationships, and, and doing that even when it seems one-sided. Now, whether it is one-sided or not, who's to say? You, know, you can look at a, the, the same situation and, and see it from two very different perspectives, right? Anyway, not easy stuff. 
these days are filled with more stress because of health concerns, more tension because of the political atmosphere. And, and just plain more time together in the house sometimes does that. So we prayed about that, and we asked God for wisdom, just like James encourages us, which is the context for which we are talking about today. We were there last week. But here's the key to the whole chapter. You find it in verse 21, if you don't mind looking there. You find this one word that really is key to everything we're doing. I mentioned it earlier. Therefore, he says, put away, and he gives us two things, put away these sins, and what does it say? Receive. You see that there? Maybe circle it, maybe underline it. The way this is written is really provoking because we have to keep in mind that James is talking to believers, is he not? He's talking to believers in Jesus Christ. That's, that's the group he's talking to. What we have in Jesus then. Continual receiving it. It's like receive what you've already received is what he's saying. Right? Like every day be reminded who you are in Jesus Christ. That he died and rose again for you. That his love covers your sins. The point is doing then is a response. We have to understand that first. We're saved by grace through faith, but doing is a response out of awe and gratitude and gratefulness to God. And we respond to his perfect and undeserved love out of gratitude for what he has done. Because we have received it freely. You already have it. And that's why it helps for us to be reminded. It's why it helps for us to be abiding. That's really where James is going with this. And this relates to the illustration James gives us in verses 23 through 25, in which he uses the example of a mirror, okay? What you have to keep in mind, though, in the days in which James is writing, there weren't mirrors in every room of the house, right? There weren't mirrors everywhere. And so you've got to keep in mind, you know, when he is writing this and that to which he is writing. Look at verse 23. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. That actually means the face God gave you at birth. Love that. The face you were born with. Verse 24. For he looks at himself and he goes away and at once forgets what he is like. They didn't have mirrors everywhere. So you'd see it once and then you might not see yourself in a mirror and look intently for a long time. Verse 25. But the one who looks into the perfect law. So now he's relating the mirror to the law. Which, by the way, is always a good way of seeing the law. That it's a mirror that shows us who we are, that sort of thing. He's relating it a little bit differently, but that certainly applies. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, the law of freedom, we often think of it in an opposite way, like as if God's law restricts us. And James is saying, no, 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 no. The law of liberty. And perseveres. Now we're going back to that theme that we have all throughout the chapter and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, like one would if they didn't have mirrors in their house, but a doer who acts. It says, in this then he will be blessed in doing so. There's some kind of blessing then in applying. I think we could all just say, duh. Could you say that with me? Duh. Yeah. You guys are, duh? Maybe a little bit more. Yeah. Doers hear and act. They're abiding in Christ. There's this constant reception 
not talking about our salvation here, but he is talking about the one who is being transformed by Christ. Because remember, the book of James is about maturing and growing. Take, for example, what we're doing now. What are we doing right here and now? We're listening to the preaching of God's word. A person who hears at church or watching online and obeys is the one who receives what's been freely given already through Jesus Christ. And continual receiving offers blessing, right? Because it's that abiding peace. But the one who goes to church and doesn't do anything about it, just goes through the motions, looks into the mirror, and walks away with no benefit. That would be the first application. Because they don't remember who they truly are. Or they just have moments of spiritual clarity or emotional stability. Their spiritual life then becomes a roller coaster because it's only momentary, right? You have, you have a spiritual eye here and a spiritual low here, right? Not to suggest we won't have those things, but when we're doers of the word, we remember who we are. That's what James is saying. The one who hears the word and does nothing then is deceiving themselves. You know, so often we're like, oh, the world is deceiving us, and that, that can be true. But yes, we can deceive ourselves too. Look at verse 22. That all you need to do is just know something or identify it. And as long as you know it, it's as good as action. So we take it in. We attend a Bible study. We do our devotions. We talk a certain way. We worship in a certain style that really is pleasing to us. We pray a certain way with certain words. And it makes us feel a certain way. That's like walking away from the mirror and forgetting who you truly are in Christ. Let me show you. Your purpose and your status in Christ. Your identity in the one who loves you and cares for you and wants to bless you. Who wants to take away anxiety and pain and struggle and in its place put peace and rest as we've been singing about this morning. But if it's only here that you're hearing and walking away without any doing... It's hard to change certain things in our lives, and James is beginning to lay this out for us. Why? Because we think that the act of showing up to a religious service or just plain knowledge is enough. We think that if we merely identify with certain doctrines that it's enough, and we miss the blessing of living out the word. Don't miss the blessing. Don't miss the blessing. Look at verse 26. It speaks to everything that we're talking about. If anyone thinks, see that there? If anyone thinks he's religious, some versions say if anyone thinks that he or she has faith and does not bridle his tongue, for example, one of many examples, deceives his heart. This person, James gets really honest, this person's religion or faith is worthless. In a sense, it's no good to them. Verse 27, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this. To visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Here, James is directly addressing the one who is deceiving themselves. Okay? 
It's like the person who says, going back to what he said, it's like thinking this, okay? I'm spiritual. I have faith. That's what he's saying. But then, does not even consider his tongue or the basic fundamentals of religion. We protect our witness by guarding our tongue, and beyond our speech, we practice what we preach inwardly and outwardly. And we see this in these last verses. It's an outward action that follows what Christ did. It's an inward reaction, or action, I should say, that longs for holy living. And there's blessing in this. Identifying your true self in Christ, that's the foundation here, which naturally leads to living out your faith because Christ is in you and living through you. It's like this. You look into the mirror and you envision or you imagine who you really are. That's the vision. Who you really are in Christ. And rather than walking in deception, you begin to benefit and be blessed walking in your identity that you're saved and you're loved and you're accepted because you've already received what God has freely given. And he died on the cross and took your sins. And here's what it begins to do. It, it begins to transform the way you treat others because you're not only seeing yourself this way, you're seeing your neighbor this way, right? And you begin to value what God values. Oh, what the church would look like if we really lived this way. Just like Jesus caring for the poor, uh, the downtrodden, the needy, healing and teaching, preaching the good news of salvation. You know, sometimes we get caught up in, should, should we preach the, the good news of salvation or, or, or should we feed the hungry? It seems to me that Jesus was concerned about both all throughout his ministry, right? And that's what James is reflecting on here. Why? Because Jesus was a hearer and a doer. There was no distinction is the point. Because we're receiving actively what Christ has done for us. It's not a work in the sense that it's nothing that we have done. In fact, there's nothing that we can do to receive salvation. Instead, it's a reaction to his grace. Seriously, what would happen if the church lived out the grace of God like this? What if we were quick to listen and, and slow to speak and slow to anger? Honey, what would our marriage look like if I was like that? You don't have to answer right now. Sorry. <laughs> if you're uncomfortable, so am I. I'm just kidding. Man, what if we were quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger? Could we do something here? I, I want you to really hyper-focus on something for a second here. It won't take long. I want you to either grab a phone or grab a pen and paper, and I want you to write down three names. It'll be very, very simple and very, very easy. Okay? If you've got to get off the couch and run to the kitchen and get a piece of paper and a pen, please do it. Here's the first name. Name one person 
you could be a better listener to, I want you to name them and write it down. Seriously. Name one person you could be a better listener to. Be quick to listen to. Slow to speak. If you're having a hard time coming up with a name, take a minute to think about it. Second one. Name one person you could be patient with or slow to anger towards. One person. You can, you can write more than one person, but I want this to be a focus thing. Third, I want us to name one person, not out loud, write it down, that you could, as James says, visit. Visit. Regardless of the restrictions we have, name one person who needs a conversation. That's all James is talking about here. And he's, of course, talking about a specific kind of person, a person who is in need, a person who's going through a crisis, a person who's overwhelmed, a person who needs a friend. You know, what's really convicting about this church for me personally, is how easy it is to forget or neglect the most basic, basic, basic of God's commandment. And the most basic of Jesus' example for us, that we are to offer basic kindness to our neighbor, that, that we are to offer basic love and grace to those in need. What James is really saying is he is remembering what Jesus said when his disciples said to him, what's the greatest commandment? And what did he say? You shall love the Lord your God. Actually, he said something before that, which is really interesting. He said, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. And then he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. Say it with me. With all your soul, with all your strength, and all your might. Depending on the version. And then he says... And love your neighbor as yourself. What if we were slow to speak and quick to listen? What if we were to take these names and really visit the person we wrote down? It's so simple, and yet we get caught up in our own lives and we miss out on the blessing that God has for those who are in Christ Jesus. Don't forget who you are. When you walk away from here and you look in the mirror and you remember that you are accepted, that Jesus loves you, it in turn transforms the way you look at your neighbor and even the guy who's begging on the side or corner of the street. That's what the word does. And that's what happens when we abide. Don't walk away from the mirror and forget your love and accepted and not condemned. That's the great hope that we have in Christ. But that grace is to be extended to our neighbor. And I just think of those three names and what a difference it could make in our own relationships. And whether they're people you know and are close to or whether they're not, what a difference it makes if we truly are doers of the word and not hearers only. Right? Here's what I want to do as we close today. I want us to consider 
what it is that's keeping us from being doers. Not, not, again, out of like duty, but out of gratitude towards him. What is it that keeps us from? James, of course, gives us this clue. He says, put away. Put away filthiness. Put away these things. Put away these things in order that you would see what you need to see in Christ Jesus. But beyond that, he says another thing, and that is that simple word, receive. Receive. When you walk into church, receive what the Spirit has for you. When you have your devotions, receive what the Spirit has for you. It's, it's, that, it's an abiding like term that you would actually then go and, and you would apply it to your lives, that, that you would walk in it. That is not just knowledge that we are all privy to and can have easy access to, but rather it's actually hearing and doing, right? But it's not a burden. It's looking at ourselves for who we truly are in Christ Jesus. And it's the great blessing of knowing that in Christ Jesus, it only gets better. I don't mean there isn't trials. Keep in mind, in chapter 1, we're talking about trials. Go all the way back to verse 1, and he says, Church, count it all joy when you face trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces what? Perseverance. And when you walk through whatever it is that God has for you to walk through, and you persevere, then, it says, you will be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And actually what he's not talking about is being perfect and holy in this life. Rather, he's saying, you will be content. So rather, complaining about all the problems in the world, you see them, um, see them excuse me, as an opportunity to speak display the grace of God to your neighbor and to your family and to the world that is so desperately in need of the truth. Amen? So this is our prayer. And I want you just to bow your heads with me as we pray this prayer. Because I want us to leave here knowing that the law is freedom. It's not something that binds us. So as you would pray, just out of respect for your neighbor too, I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I, I want you with me to pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, allow me to receive what you have already given me. And if I don't know you, Jesus, receive your grace for a first time today. And, and upon receiving it, Lord, may your word ring true in my heart and in my life so that I would be a doer and not a hearer only, therefore receiving the blessing that you've had for me all along that I would take seriously, that I have a will, just like the video we, we, we saw at the onset of the service that talks about how everything we do is an act of worship, even our work, even our jobs. Lord Jesus, may I be a hearer and a doer, not because I'm burdened to do so, but because you love me, and, I, and, and upon receiving that love, I'm so excited to go and share it. Respond this way, church. We'll pray this. Lord Jesus, there have been people that you have placed in my life that I've been overlooking. People I've been unfair to and unkind to. And at the basic premise of religion is this. That we would love our neighbor and our loved ones as ourselves. Lord, help us put away selfishness and be quick to listen 
For we know, Lord, there is great blessing as you call us to go and extend the same grace to others that you've given us. And so we pray this all, asking for your blessing moving forward and for wisdom, which is also the context of what we're talking about in chapter one, that you would give us the wisdom, give us the names, give us the appointments that we need in order to live this out in our lives. We pray this all in your holy and precious name. Amen. Amen.